was such a powerful experience. Thank you all for being here to share it together. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Holy God, we ask that your spirit continue to move over the lives of these children, their families, their extended families and friends, and all of us as we seek to be your faithful followers in Christ Jesus. Amen. The scripture passage today comes from Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. Listen for the word of God as it comes to us from the very first chapter in the first book of the Bible. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second passage comes from the very last book of the Bible. Uh, at the very end of that book, from Revelation chapter 22, again, another water image. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, on the, and, and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing fruit for each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A number of years ago, I went to visit my uh, friend who worked at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Showed me around, uh, and uh, one of the places that he took me was underneath the main sanctuary, uh, there is a chapel. Uh, just a small chapel for folks to gather in, in worship. Uh, and, and down there, he pointed to the floor of the chapel. There was a name on the floor. The name is Helen Keller. Helen Keller, that, that, that uh, pioneer advocate for people with handicapping conditions. The story of her life is she lost her sight and hearing when she was a baby, just 19 months old plunged into a world of darkness and silence. She, she was, was lost in so many ways until she was seven years old and Ann Sullivan taught her sign language. The breakthrough word, because Helen just wasn't getting it, the breakthrough word was when she poured water on her hands and spelled out W-A-T-E-R. And at that moment, the little girl got it. And she said later on that that day was the birthday of her soul. Water. Baptism is about the birthday of our soul as we reflect on it. Because it is a day when we are claimed by God. And it takes us a lifetime to figure out what that means. The noun baptism is used 20 times in the Bible, but the verb is used over 70 times because baptism is an action that leads to a life of action lived in the grace of God. Water is the primary image. Water is crucial for life. You can't have life without it. It's basic to vitality. And water fascinates us. Toddlers splash about in puddles and, and play in it with, with their toys. 
Adults splash about it and play with bigger toys. Some churches even build on water. Water's the womb of life, isn't it, from which all life springs. And when Christians baptize with water, it is an affirmation of the source of life, but it is such as a symbol of God, a symbol, a mystical symbol that reminds us of all these experiences of God that we have. Washing and cleansing is one of the primary images that we think about when we think about baptism. But there are all these other water stories in the Bible that I want to just point out briefly from 20,000 feet today uh, because these are the stories that we grow into. One of which is the story of Noah and the flood. Now, I, I, when I read the story of Noah, I remember uh, quite a number of years ago, I was on a camping trip by myself in Rocky Mountain National Park. I'd driven all day and all night to get there, and I knew just the, the small, quiet camping spot that I wanted. I'd been there before. Um, but when I arrived, the ranger told me that it was already booked for tonight. So I went to a Presbyterian camp 20 miles away and spent the night there, got up in the morning, went into the mess hall, and I heard on the radio that Lawn Lake Dam had burst that night. And what that meant was the campsite that I was going to sleep in had been washed away. I went up on Trail Ridge Road. I looked down and saw this whole mountainside had been washed away in the flood. The whole mountainside, I mean, there were boulders the size of pickup trucks that were floating around. I know they were the size of pickup trucks because there were pickup trucks alongside of them floating around. It was all transformed. The flood washed everything away. And you know, that's the story of Noah, but it's our story too of our experience of God that there can be times in life when we think that the world has become so corrupt and nothing can ever change it, and all of a sudden God washes everything away and the world has a new beginning. Baptism reminds us of that story. Baptism reminds us of all these other water stories in the Bible. In the Exodus, the people had been enslaved, but they're brought out of slavery into freedom through the parting waters where they are safe, but the enemy is washed away. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They, they think that God has abandoned them. It's so dry, they're, it's so dusty, and they are, uh, they, they are feeling dejected, and all of a sudden, God brings water out of a rock water out of a rock, because we know that experience at some time in our lives when we have felt dry and dusty and parched and like there is no hope and all of a sudden something bursts and the life flows to us from the grace of God. The exiles wander in the wilderness for 40 years, strangers in a strange land, but God keeps God's promises. And the day comes when they come to the promised land, the border of the promised land, and they come home again to the first time, and they walk into the promised land through water. Because God can bring us home again, even to a home we never had seen before. The prophets give voice to lamentation. They give voice to lamentation, and, and, and we, we know that, that, that there are times in life when we want to do nothing but cry. Well, the prophets are doing that. They give an example there of, of lifting up their cries to God 
They speak in lamentation and they say they want to be a fountain of tears. And if you find yourself feeling like you are a fountain of tears, remember you're with the prophets in that water story and God's hope will see you through. The prophets find their voice, they call for justice to flow like a fountain and righteousness like a never-ending stream, a stream of water. Martin Luther King found hope in that passage, didn't he? That water image that helped him guide the civil rights movement. And I said I went to the National Cathedral. There was a second water story I wanted to tell. I was just walking around the halls looking around in the National Cathedral and I saw this drinking fountain and, and above the drinking fountain were etched in stone these words, in thanksgiving to the living God for all the ministers who have borne the hot coal of his word upon their lips and in their lives. Well, we believe we're all ministers of the word, don't we? We believe we all are, 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 are called to share God's grace and that whole idea of every time you lean down to get a drink of water out of that drinking fountain, you think about the inspiration of all those lives and the ones who have borne the hot coal of God's Word on their lips and in their lives. Psalm 23 is another water story. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. In the valley of the shadow of death, well, we know about the valley of the shadow of death from our experience in life. And we find an incredible sense of peace that God gives to us like no one else can give, a sense of being led by the still waters. Jesus comes to the woman at the well. Um, he asks this strange woman, she's in a, uh, he, he's in a foreign land, he asks her for a, a glass of water. And she gives him a rationale for why she should not give him the glass of water based on the categories of racism, sexism, and xenophobia of the time. That's what's going on in the Bible. And Jesus says to her, you know, if you listen to what I'm saying, you're going to have living water that will well up in you. And she does. And she experiences the sense of God's presence, God's love, God's grace that, that quenches a thirst in her like no other source could do. The disciples are out on a boat struggling against the wind and the waves, and Jesus comes to them walking on the water. They're afraid they're going to capsize and drown, but they're even more afraid because they see Jesus walking on water, and it, it freaks them out. Um, <clears throat> but what happens? They come to listen to him, and because of that, they find a sense of courage. I think in our lives, there's sometimes as disciples, when we feel like the wind and the waves are going to capsize us and, and, and we're going to be lost, but Christ comes to us in unexpected ways, in unexpected times and places, and it gives us a sense of courage. A blind man comes to see Jesus. He asks to see again. Uh, and, and this is one of my favorite water stories in the Bible. He asked Jesus to see again, and Jesus spits and, and dabbles his finger in the spit and the mud and, and puts it on the man's eyes. And, it, and, it, and it's sort of like that story out of creation where God forms the human beings out of dust. And this man becomes part of the new creation, and he can see again. 
And I think sometimes in our lives we can become very obtuse to what's going on around us, and Christ helps us to gain a sense of sight and to see. The wedding in Cana is another water story, a wedding that had run out of fun, and Jesus takes some water and turns it into wine. Because we know where Christ is, the water tastes like wine, and life has a sense of celebration to it. All these water stories, and I want you to know, as according to the Bible, I'm just getting started, okay? I'm just getting started because these are not ancient stories. When we're baptized, these are our stories. They help us to get in touch with all the different things that God does and can do for us. Baptism is our entry into those stories. It's our entry into the family of God. We know that from Jesus' baptism. In the waters of baptism, God affirms him publicly as his beloved son, as his family. And we're baptized into Christ's baptism, which means that we are all baptized in the family of God. I had some friends uh, one time who asked me if I could come over on a, on a Sunday afternoon to their backyard uh, to christen their baby. They were just going to have a few friends and family there. Uh, and I said, I can christen your boat, but I can't christen your baby. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm a Presbyterian, they didn't understand. I said, because in our understanding, when you are baptized, you are entering into the whole family of God. You have to have all of the family there, and God has all these strange relatives like me, but they're all invited. And that's, that's us practicing the world, maybe not as it is, but as it ought to be. The whole family of God and everyone is welcome. You can't baptize yourself. It's something that is done to you. It assumes the community, the church, the family of God. And it is an entrance into that family we welcome through baptism. Baptism is also an image of the resurrection. I hate to admit that the Baptists really have it right on, on their ritual here because they, they take somebody underneath the water and then raise them up again. It is an image of death and resurrection. Since you have been baptized into a life like his, you have been baptized into a death like his, you've been baptized into a resurrection like his. When we baptize, we're claiming God's resurrection power for us. And this is not our action, this is God's action. I love that passage in Revelation. That passage in Revelation that says the, the water of life streams through the heavenly city and, and, it, and it feeds the trees and the leaves from the trees are for the healing of nations. That's our call too in baptism, that we are called to be God's people who in our life seek the healing of the world. All these images that we give Baptism surely is a transformative event, not just for the individual who is baptized, but for the community itself, because now each and every one of us has more brothers and sisters. Part of what that means is we need to move over in our lives and make room. 
That means we need to prepare and share and give and, and, and help nurture these children to grow in the life of love that God gives to us, to accomplish our tasks in the world to share God's love. Baptism is a decisive, decisive turning moment, turning from the old to the new, and we are all made new again in baptism. Now, you can only be baptized once, according to what we believe, because of one crucial thing. In baptism, it isn't that we're perfect, that we're ever going to be perfect, but baptism is God's act. God is the one who has claimed these children, and God has not made a mistake. God has claimed every one of them and every one of us, and we all together belong to God and enter into that new world together as the baptized children of God, seeking God's peace, but God's grace and God's love. Amen.